be like water. And then we had a conversation in class about like, well, what does that mean? All right, first of all, if there's no, and you have them extra blue cheese. If you don't have extra blue cheese, don't even bring the plate over. I like the forearms more, you know, than the, than the, uh, the biceps. Yeah. Put it right in, pull it right out. You get two bones. If you do it right, you, get, you do it right like in New York, you only have two bones left. Yep. With Detroit's B.I.G., again, top tier. The dude was was unbelievable. Uh, his lyrics, his flow, and his influence, I think, on on, on the rap game and the hip-hop game at that time was was unparalleled. Okay. Whether it was a, a hokey story or not, but during the 2016 Olympic Games, I remember the commentators came out and they said, you know, this may be quite an interesting thing this year. The Javelin Olympic champion in 2016 in Rio was a man who, when he was at least this is how I remember the story. He, he said, well, how did you learn how to javelin? And the guy says, YouTube. Yeah, that's where I kind of stumbled onto it. Um, I was trying to see how Mike Allstott trained because this dude was a freak. And I figured if I could lift like him, I could do the stuff he does. So I kind of, that's where I started researching that and found out that he was using chains. And then that kind of led me, kind of stumbled on some articles from Dave Tate and Louie. The they feel like the guy across from them is faster. So they gotta get their hips turned so they can mirror them and play more basketball. It's like no, stay strong, use your strength and body, punch, sit down, and control the guy across from you. Because if he's faster than you, he's not stronger than you. Oh, bone. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit. That's a little bougie. That's a little bougie. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Buffalo style chicken tenders. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's no good. That's out. That's soft. Yeah, that, that's that. soft. If you can't enjoy going to work, you shouldn't go there. You know, if you can't enjoy the people that you're around, you know that that just isn't something you need to be a part of. It's toxic, in fact. So you know, you just have to move on. You know, we're kind of all a sum total of everything we've done, but when we bump in each other's lives, no, we don't really know what that is. But I I love finding out about people's stories. Listening to the Iron Dread Podcast. Here we are, another episode of your Iron Dread Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Chris Whitaker. As you can see, uh, I'm sitting here with two. Uh, Coach Jacobs found the sound effects button. Uh, two of our coaches here at Dexter High School. To my left, Coach Phil Jacobs, head football coach, uh, strength and conditioning coach here at Dexter High School, former guest on the show, friend of the show. Of course, you know him. And to my right, Coach Bill Ivan, uh, our offensive line coach, uh, middle school teacher, and um, track and field coach here for us at Dexter High School. Gentlemen, welcome this is this is big. Never had this many guests on at once. Well, yeah, you have. We uh, last time we did Jank, we had three, <laughs> maybe two and a half. We that, it was, it was a that half. was a guest appearance. Yeah, that so. was the guest appearance by Coach Jacobs on that one. Um, but it, all they saw, right? If they're coming right from the Jank episode, all they saw was your hand come so into the screen. Now we like, get. To- this? Now we get to yeah. see his face. <laughs> yeah. Now now his face is on there. All right. Let's do this. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're here. You know, we, we just discussed doing a podcast. We just finished up uh, training about an hour ago uh, with our kids today. Um, we're two weeks into our summer session here, and uh, these two gentlemen have been up there uh, alongside me and intern Allie, who we'll have intern Allie on, uh, on the podcast soon. You know, working with our kids, um, from our, our varsity football and JV football players to every other student in our program. So we were sitting down, you know, we wanted to make another episode of the podcast, and we're going to talk about, you know, some of the things that, you know, common phrases and, and things that we hear uh, from our coaches and our athletes and outside of our program. You get a lot, our co- coaches, our athletes hear a lot of things coming from, whether it's kids, coaches of other sports, and you know, we decided that you wanted to be, we wanted to give you the opportunity to address and answer some of these questions. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, you know, having done this for 30 years, I, I, you're going to hear them all. You're going to hear them all again and again. But, man, before we get into that part, 
here we are, June 28th, and it's summer seems like it's almost gone, even though we've we've been on uh, break a week and a half. So, what you guys got going on during Dead Week? You gonna pull that trailer anywhere? We are. Uh, I'm gonna pull the the camper up north. We'll go to Lewiston, Michigan, where my wife has uh, family or uh, family cottage, and then um, heading to St. Ignace up in Coach Ivan's hood up there in the uh, northern part of our state. Up here, Ab- above that, St. Ignace is so over the up bridge. Up. Yeah, that Saint that's Ignace. over the bridge. It's on the other side of that uh, bridge. There, there's a toll. There is a toll. Make sure you like. He's there, from, there's no troll he's, there, he's, but he's there is a toll. So he doesn't know where. Yeah, uh, it's just Michigan geography. Yeah, these these guys obviously native Michiganders. Now our our audience ranges all over, not not just the state of Michigan, right? In my home state of New York, right? Shout out to all my friends back home in Kingston, New York. Uh, but this podcast is actually heard in over eight different countries. Eight different countries. Eight different countries. It's true. It's true. I have the information, the the data on the thing to prove it. We're getting heard around the world, right here right here so yeah i'm going up north uh this is the one of the two weeks a year that you know we kind of shut down the strength program and, and give our kids and our staff a break and that's uh, i'm heading up north i don't know what do you got bill what are you doing i'm going to boise idaho for a bachelor party with a bu- one of my buddies from high school gets married over labor day unfortunately so <laughs> you know I, I try and coach these guys that fall weddings are not great and they keep scheduling them um, so I'm going out there for that. Should be should be a good time. Gonna be some golfing, some white water rafting. Um, fun. That'll be. We're looking Your forward to it. Golf game, I don't know. You might. The golf game's doing all home. right right now. If I can get off the tee. When I get off the tee, I'm fine. <laughs> you know. You must have found a new game this summer, huh? Switch the swing up a little bit. So how are you uh, managing? Your time, not you're building a house here, breaking ground soon, right? I yeah, we excited about that. We break ground right after we get back, and uh, you, I've made a commitment to training in the morning so that I can actually get something, get stuff done as we go through. Uh, but it's my dad is a contractor and has a builder's license, so he's been a lot of spitballing with him, figuring things out as we go. Um, we're subbing out the foundation and the excavation, so getting subcontractors out there and then it'll just be um putting myself on a strict schedule to make sure everything gets done because yeah we break ground on a house here right after the fourth of july which is very exciting good deal and gonna bring in assistant coach uh, another one of our football coaches rob schwartz is going to be the main builder right yeah, well, Rob Rob wants to participate. He can't even I even swing a hammer. I already bought him a broom. There you go. I bought him a broom. I said, "Here's your job." He had a comment on what he was going to be doing if he was given a broom, but <laughs> Coach Schwartz uh, was invited to be a part of this panel uh, along with Coach Dubay. So we'll shout out to them. They they couldn't they couldn't be here today. They're uh, probably playing golf on the golf course. Yeah, good chance. <laughs> Good chance they're playing playing golf on the golf golf course. Well, we know Dubay certainly is. We, <laughs> yeah, Dubay. I think Dubay is in a couple of leagues. Is he in a couple of leagues this summer too? No, he's done that in the past. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But what about you, Phil? What do you got going on next week? Uh, working on the honeydew list. So hopefully we can just kind of kick back and relax. A few things we need to finish up on the house from a year ago. You know, when we purchased it. And just a small little thing. So I'm, I'm going to enjoy the lake and do a lot of fishing. <laughs> yeah, Coach Jacobs has been catching uh, a lot of largemouth bass in the, the lake down there. We see the pictures of what he's catching. I, did, I get to our players. Let's see, I've got uh, Nate Boffman sends me about six pictures of the four or five pound bass he's caught. And Carson Connolly, he sent me a couple pictures. He caught a nice bass the other night. So it's, it's kind of neat exchanging pictures with the, the guys uh, who, who catches the biggest bass. We hear all their fish stories, too. Yeah. <clears throat> like hunting stories. Mm-hmm. Which I got a good hunting story that I shared on the last time episode. Yeah, go back and listen to the episode with Trevor Jankovich to hear Coach Jacobs' hunting story. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, Coach, you ready to get into this? I, I think so. I mean, I think this is going to be one of the most important ones we've done. Yeah. Um, I think I'm, I'm going to kind of duck out for a minute while you and uh, Coach Ivan go over this list because I, I've heard them all. I don't really need to – I can chip in in the background. I, that was more fun. What are you going to say? <laughs> so, all right. Coach, Coach Ivan already talked about common phrases that coaches and athletes in general say. So, I'm going to step out for a second. There he goes. All right, so we're going to set this up. I'm going to ask Coach Whitaker these questions, allow him to give this the strength coach response just so we can give some clarity for everybody that's wondering. The, one of the number one things we get in regards to the conjugate training program is uh, we hear a lot that this training program isn't sports-specific. So, Coach, what do you have to say about it not <laughs> Sport specificity, right? It's a we we hear it all the time as Coach uh, Ivan just mentioned, right? We hear about specificity to a sport. Understand this, and I'm looking dead into the camera as we say this. Specificity comes from being in your sport practice. That's where specificity comes in, where you're actually practicing your sport. When he's teaching our offensive linemen how to do a power step and a kick slide, that is sport specificity. Training, training is to develop the things that we need, the base traits that we need to then take and apply to our sport. I think one of the things everybody with the modern, you know, social media world, you see all these professional athletes talking about like what they're doing. But what nobody ever looks at, and what you never see with these professional athletes is the the years and the time to build that strength through general training that they do. Nobody's posting those things. Nobody's posting the the hour that they spend in the weight room before they go out in the field and work on their power step or their kick slide or their the, their twirls for shot, their rotations for shot put, their hurdles, their hurdle drills for running hurdles. Nobody ever sees those, the hours that spent before that. They just see these special, the special things that they're doing within their training on social media because it's just a snapshot, right? So, like, the biggest thing we got to convince our athletes of is that we're building a, like, a base strength for you because many of the athletes we're getting in the weight room, it is, they're, They've only been in the weight room a few handful of times. Some of them, um, some of them have been in for a couple of years, but even at that point, it takes multiple years of consistent training to get that base to be able to apply that specific drill work that you see these professional athletes doing outside of the on social media and so forth. Yeah, it, it comes down to to big rocks and little rocks, right? Yeah. Like when we train, right, we're trying to attack the big rocks right the big the big things that we need to develop and as i said right specificity comes from sport practice right there's two, another term called gpp versus spp sport specific preparation gpp general physical preparation in our weight room in our program everything we do for our athletes is general physical preparedness it's making them a better, well, we, we guarantee three things from our program when our kids commit, right? They'll become a, a physically stronger human, be, become more durable and less prone to injury, and a more confident human being. Coach, can I ask you another kind of a follow-up question? What happens when an athlete just does that SPP, you said, the sports, or... The sports-specific. Yeah, the S, yeah. What happens if you're just doing that as opposed to adding in that general? You get hurt. You get hurt. Overuse injuries, we see it all the time, right? We we have kids when we got here, right? Five years ago, we've been here five years now, and it was it was walking boot city around here because they break, they're not strong, right? Louis Simmons was onto it when he said weak things break. We got a banner up in our weight room. We got a banner, right? We put one in the athletic training room, and we're going to talk about our athletic trainers uh, down the way here and all the great work they do. There's t-shirts somewhere too. too. Hey, there is. Westside sells them. I have one. Mm-hmm. I have one. Weak things break. All right. The, now, so I think we've handled that one. The next thing that we get a lot, the question is, why don't we power clean? 
Uh, the power clean is is very big in in sport and um, it's I shouldn't say big it's popular right and a lot of you get a lot of copycat people that because this person does it then oh they it, it has to be that way. Um, Nate Harvey talks about like with the power clean that he blames um, the Boyd Epley right Husker Power right they uh, they power clean so that's that's why everybody need, need yeah. the power clean. Um, the the goal that we get out of a power clean is to develop something called triple extension extension of the ankles knees and hips um that that's what people want and that's what we're supposed to get out of it it's the the motion motion everybody sees your typical power clean motion where the people are where the athletes fully extended the bar still has not been flipped but you're at that full extension motion hips are extended you're kind of in a straight line body and you're going to spring back into whatever you into the i don't even know the term for the catch position but into the catch after you power clean, that triple extension is that motion. Yeah, and that's what we try to develop, or what people try to develop to choose to power clean. Mm-hmm. Um, my argument is, is I could get the same results out of a jump. If you break down a box jump, jumping vertically into the air and landing on a box, it's the same thing. And, and something else that was kind of funny today, Coach, is we were watching – we, our football players today were doing speed deadlifts. It was kind of interesting how close to the – well, the fact they were in that triple extension position at the end of that power clean when they – or the end of that deadlift when they finished it. Yeah. We don't get as much of the ankle extension with our speed pulls. Uh, but, the, yeah, that's – we can get the same things, in my opinion, and many other people agree with this. We can get the same thing out of a jump – and a speed pull that we could get out of a power clean with much less technical demand, right? We have a power clean is a hard movement that it's a sport. It's an Olympic lift. So we're coming back to specific training as opposed to general training again. Correct. So if, if we're going to take something that people need to like practice for years to perfect and get good at and try to apply it to a training program, like, if we can get the same amount of bang for our buck with something that's much simpler to teach, I'm going to do that all day, in my opinion. Especially because your ratio is one coach to 30 kids about. Sometimes even more. Sometimes even more than that. So trying to supervise and ensure safety, safely execution of the power clean, because I know, I mean, being in a college weight room, that's where we saw guys get hurt. In the, it's rare that you see people get hurt in the weight room. If it was happening, it was in the power clean. Um, kind of talking about that jumping that we were just covering, the next question and things that we hear is that this whole idea, heavy squats decrease my vertical. Do you think that's true? Um, <laughs> uh, we, we've heard this and, you know, people, uh, oh, well, if, if heavy, you know, if, Big squats increase my vertical. Well, then you know, or why don't uh, you know why aren't powerlifters you know the highest jumpers in, in the world, right? That uh, we've heard about that. It's again the ability to contract and move. We see it a lot in our speed work, right? Going fast, coming off the box, mm-hmm. right? Heavy squats increasing your ability to produce force. Right. A stronger human, stronger body position is going to generate more force. We, we look at the force equation, right? F equals MA, yep. right? The mass side, right? The ability to move more mass, thus our heavy work, our max effort work mm-hmm. increases force. The ability to accelerate increases force. Bring them both together. Now we're blowing up. And we do it. We jump as well. So to me, like when people say this, you know, and, and you know, the little, I look at it, well, yeah, did the heavy squats, you know, make your vertical go down? Or did you, you know, not follow any sort of nutrition plan and put 20 pounds of bad weight on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you, you think, think about this all the time. You hear people talking about a decrease in vertical, and I, I know the questions that we're starting to see a lot more science come out and ask, like, how are you sleeping? What are you eating? How are you recovering? What, what, what is everything that you're doing that's going into this? Because I do, I mean, as a 
coach and as a teacher looking at kids and hearing about kids' schedules, I worry about a lot about overtraining. Um, we see that a lot. Mm-hmm. Right? We uh, our in our our population of student athletes, they overbook themselves sometimes, and that's where as a, a strength staff, like we got to look at a kid and you know the the phrase again I stole from Nate Harvey. Shout out Nate Harvey. If a kid comes walking in, one of your indicator kids comes walking in and looks like somebody shot their dog, you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's the day that we need to adjust, and we do that. And yeah. that's one of the beauties of conjugate is being able to adjust so easily and still have it be a productive thing moving forward. They don't have to hit that 82% for a set of five this week because next week it's going to go up, and it's going to upset the whole 12-week training cycle if – we take a squat out and have them drag sleds. There. Yeah. You know, so it's to me the the heavy squats decreasing in vertical. That's that's a cop out. There's other oh. other things. In there. All, All right, right moving, moving on, on along the theme, theme of squats. squats. The, the next, next one we hear a lot of is this. We hear that because we squat wide, wide right? right? We, we talk, talk about getting our stand out, get the toes out, squat wide. wide. This, this idea of wide squats are not athletic. athletic. What do you say to that, coach? He's really enjoying this. He's enjoying this a lot. I'm, I'm waiting for him to, to chime in. in. I, Coach, you've seen me do it in our class. Mm-hmm. I have football players, volleyball players, softball players, baseball players, hockey players, uh, soccer players. Did I not have every single one of them get in a defensive stance? Okay. Or a baseball player. Batting stance. Wide stance. Linebacker. Doesn't matter. It's that's where we build our base strength right there in the wide stance because we read a study a while back that if you wide stance squat versus doing a an agility circuit program over twelve weeks, your agility times are going to be much faster and you're going to be a much quicker more explosive athlete by doing the wide stance squat because we're building what coach we're building hips we're building strength through the entire leg um so the the reason why we squat wide there's many different things um and as coach said you know being in that athletic position right people try to argue that a wide Sports are not played inside the shoulder. No. Very, very few things do your feet ever come inside your shoulder. Only when you run in a straight line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, but now that, then we can get into the whole thing about force production and how striking the ground and pulling through and, and the, the True. ability to contract. You're actually in the... To be able to pull forward. Right? That's, you know, we'll, you know, we'll talk about more about runners in a minute. But very few sports right, are played I would say when you play a sport, you're almost always outside your shoulders. If you are racing, maybe something, you might be inside your shoulders, but that's about it. If you're playing something, if you're active and moving, doing any sort of lateral motion, you're going to be outside your shoulders because that's the best way to plant and redirect. Right. And that's what Coach talked about, right, that study. They developed their hips. Right? They developed the ability, and it comes back again to generating force. Mm-hmm. Right? People come in and ask us for speed ladders all the time. <laughs> well, why don't we have a speed ladder? Well, because you just tapping your feet in the ladder isn't going to help you to become a more agile human as the ability for you to be able to put your foot in the ground and your body goes. Your body weight becomes a much easier thing for you to move because you're a stronger human. I had a strength coach in college that because we never did speed ladders we do uh we trained conjugate at, at iu and we would do we do hurdle stuff occasionally which is like but that's working on more the more it was much more mobility work than strength work and the strength coach in college i think the guy's actually at alabama now he spent some time at michigan state for a little bit now he's down at alabama he would tell us that all you're doing with a speed ladder is training that motion you are learning to be more efficient at that motion, which is why over a certain week period, you get faster. 
It's not because you're actually increasing your general speed. You are becoming a more skilled person at that motion. You're getting better at the drill. Yep. Yeah, as we get faster, we get we get better at the at the test. We take the test over and over and over again. We're gonna remember a lot of the answers. Yep. As opposed to doing it once, and, and that's where we're in the in the beginning phases of testing thing. You know, a little bit more assessment of our guys. Um, now that we are a team builder school, it allows us to do that a lot easier. But where it's not that they get better at the the actual test because they've done it so many times. They get better at the test because they can do it with more force. They can, they have the ability to execute it better. Well, well why are these freak athletes so good at sports? Well, because they're strong. They can move. They can control their body. Okay, on that same, kind of moving in the general direction, we're kind of moving from one to another. The next one we get a lot of, and we hear this all the, uh, quite a bit, is lifting is bad for runners. <laughs> uh, yeah, what do you say to that, Coach? Oh, it's, you well, ever seen Olympic runners? See the tree trunks on now? Hips on them, yeah. Yeah. An Olympic hamstrings sprinter is freaking legs. All legs. Right. But it's bad. It's bad for them. Well, I mean, do you think there's a perception, coach, that if because you know somebody walks in the weight room and sees, and it's, and Corey Baker is in there with four plates on each side while squatting, and immediately they think that's what I'm gonna have to do. Right. He's an average kid. Um, so for our kids that they don't know much, yeah, that can be a bit of a you know intimidating thing. But it, with a runner, again, it's force. Running is the the conjugate method was designed in Soviet Russia in the '60s to make <laughs> freaking Olympic athletes and a majority Olympic track and field athletes. Because right, they couldn't get outside and run. They didn't have the technology of all the indoor facilities and stuff that they have now. And there was a bunch of snow on the ground. Yeah. So instead of going outside, they, they trained. They got stronger. And all of a sudden, in every sprinting event, their times went down. Their times got faster. Hmm. Amazing what happens with strength. Point A, point B. If I can get from point A to point B in fewer steps than I could before, my time is going to decrease. It's going to get better. Mm -hmm. uh, and that goes out to not just the sprinters. Those distance kids, too. If they can hold up over the long run, they're going to get there faster. They're going to. I mean, you, you think about <clears throat> and you see, and I've talked with track and field athletes and distance runners and one of the big things that adds to longevity is adding in that weight training, is adding in the resistance training. You look at uh, – I had a buddy who's a – he's actually – so for everybody who likes to say my healthcare worker, family member, yeah, my buddy the nurse sent me this study that's talking about the for longevity in life, the best thing you can do is actually not to sprint at like – your highest amount it is to train at a, a lower volume of cardio level and then do resistance training and longevity wise you're proven you're going to live longer and your muscles are going to be healthier and your joints are going to be healthier and in general you're going to have a better quality life what i always say when, when this comes up is think of the old grizzled veteran distance runner everyone that i've known run and pounded a pavement for years and years and years and years. <laughs> They're more beat up than some of the college football players we know. A lot of knee replacements. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the, you said it, right? The, the ability to hold up and be strong enough to 
keep your body where it needs to be, to mm-hmm. keep yourself healthy, to have the bone density that comes from strength training, that your you know shins aren't blowing up. Shin splints, we, we, we see it all the time with kids here, but then it, over time that becomes you know a lower limb fracture, yep, right, a stress fracture, uh, you know, more serious thing. It's when you train and you are a stronger human, those things don't happen as frequently. Right? So we can't prevent everything. There's there's some freak things that happen to us, but I mean, as far as training and runners, man, you know, it, it, a lot of times I think with, with people it's a cop out because you know it's not it's not their number one thing. Right. They want to run. They want to run. Okay, that's what you like. You like to run. One gets you better at the other. Yeah. If it's going to help you be better at what you do, I mean, we, we, you know, all of us have been you know, collegiate athletes. If there's something training-wise that we can do to make us better than the next guy, we're going to do it. I sometimes wonder with runners if it's just this perception. Like, you know how are, – are they getting – do you think the kids that actually, you know, are training – are getting made fun of because they're not direct they're because they're actually going into the weight room. And so now all of a sudden, because they're doing something a little different because they're stepping outside the box of what is a traditional runner thing, they're not feeling the support of their peers. I always wonder about that with runners. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that happens. It's just human nature, right? Like, yeah, yeah that's just human nature. You're different than me. And you're doing um, something that might make you better than me. Yeah. So I'm going to make fun of you and try to, you know, cause I really, I think I know, you know, about what you're, doing and I have my own assumptions about what you're doing so I'm gonna mm-hmm. make fun of you to try and get you to stop yeah you know so like we uh we, we have some um some young distance runners that have you know really committed themselves to um to what we do mm-hmm. and it is my hope that at the end of this cross-country season that those individuals that have committed to us are able to leave leap past the ones that may have genetically been a little bit more gifted than them mm-hmm. and move past them because if their running training is the same and the only difference is this population didn't train in our program this population did and they made more progress even past yeah the ones. That, that's my hope that's my hope for for this fall fall mm-hmm. season when it comes to our runners uh, my hope is that all runners end up lifting um so next this one you're gonna I'm, I'm curious to see which direction you take this because i can think of about seven different answers to this all of which we'll get to but we hear this all the time um i can't lift today because i have a game training shouldn't destroy you every day you come in so you're telling me if a kid is feeling like they can't lift because they have a game it means that they probably haven't put in the consistency and the time to train enough so that what it just means is they've been inconsistent number one for sure number one that that is a, a lot of the kids that come up and say that um haven't committed the time so they don't know they don't know how training feels they don't know that training hurts for the first two weeks and after that you kind of settle in correct um so that that's with the, with the game day stuff like meet day you know that that's first and foremost with that if if you're worried about that that probably means that you haven't spent enough time to know that all right i'm going to be able to do this training day and not be destroyed in between yeah the other side of that is we get into some of these sports you know football we play once a week right, right? so we play once a week, so do we schedule training on that on that day? Yeah, we can. We don't have to. I can tell you in college, if you are someone who is seeing limited reps, you are certainly training that Friday, and for some people, that the Saturday before a game. If usually. That a lot of times you don't do the Saturday, but that's just because you've traveled. You're, you're moving. There's not You don't have access to the weight room. But you're certainly training the day before. And even for our athletes, 
you know, the how many of them actually come up and tell you mid as opposed to saying, hey, coach, I got a game today. Is there anything I can adjust or is it just I can't train today because I have a game? Because we've really started to combat this with that. We used to get that all the time. Yeah. Um, or yeah, my coach said for me to do nothing. Yeah, um, do nothing. Do nothing. Yeah. Hey, listen, we're going to send. Um, How much of a warm up does your coach put you through through practice at the yeah. beginning of the game? Are you actually truly ready to go per- perform in that game? Yeah. It's just the, oh, you do nothing. Yep. With that, um, but when I, training on on game day is something that we have to do with some sports because they have so many competitions. Right. You think of a sport like track and field, right? They have the weekend invitational uh, usually every week, and then they have a two, Tuesday dual or tri meet. Yeah. Well, and at, at some point we have to look at this and say. What's important now? When do we get better? Or even a baseball game where baseball, where you're playing what three games in a row, a doubleheader one day, and then two days later you've got the final. Well, or the baseball kid that is the left fielder. Right. And Coach Jacobs has a famous uh, saying with this, where oh, you know, you're playing left field. Well, what are you going to do fifty times a game? Step forward and get into a ready position. <laughs> you know, like what are you really doing? It's not, it's not a, a fielder, an infielder, or an outfielder in, in baseball isn't doing as much as say the pitcher and the catcher. So we we can adjust those things on the day that the kids going to pitch. But there's always something we can do. Yeah. Um, for those kids that, and again, it's like, all right. Well, what are we going to do with the kid that isn't? Can, can, we're going to hammer them and, and let them fail? No. Yeah. Right. We like to do, you know, heavy singles uh, and get out with that, keeping volume low. Because um, you do a whole lot less of it. Yeah, you're not you're not going on marathon sets, you know, or like on a speed day where we're gonna do you know twenty to twenty five speed squats and twenty to twenty five speed deadlifts, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, you know three or four sets of accessory work. A lot of times you just keep the intensity high, volume low. I mean, as a coach, you, I can tell you, like, having athletes have, like, if an athlete tells me that they just trained max up, max lowers that day, I'm like, great, you're primed, ready to go. You should be just fine. If they tell me they train dynamic lowers that day, I know that they've got a little bit more fatigue, and I can adjust my sports-specific training, too. And that comes down to the fact that you spend time under the bar, and you know that. Right. I think it's the other is that you get to a level of training where, as we were talking about, if your conditioning is good enough, if your strength is up to par, there should be no issue training and then competing in a game or competing at completing. I mean, I would argue that in most cases, practices, at least our practices, end up being harder than many a lot of the games. You hit a Monday practice or a Tuesday practice going into a game, it's going to be way harder than that actual game, right? So by the time you up your conditioning, if you are straining within that practice, the game should be no no problem. So I would challenge people who say that to ask what's your effort level like in practice to where you don't believe you have the conditioning necessary to train and complete a game. Yeah, for sure. A lot of it, there's the other side that we can even go on this. It's, it's mental. Yeah. Or they're looking for a reason to, to take a step back, to take a break, to be a little lazy. They're looking for an excuse mm-hmm. to do those things. So, yeah, it's we train on, on game day here. Um, 
we cut our, our in-season athletes down on their overall training volume down anyway. Wait, 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 what? Can we repeat that? Our in-season athletes training volume is cut down. Huh. So that means they're not doing the same as your power lifters in the winter. Okay. Powerlifters sign their contracts because they're going to train four times a week, and they're not only doing a, a, a whole training work, but usually they're doing some sort of extra on top of that, uh, as far as you know, perfecting the technique of the squat, the bench, the deadlift. Because now that's not GPP anymore. When they're a powerlifter, the squat, the bench, the deadlifts are now SPP because it's their sport that they're going to compete. So you might do a little bit extra there. Yeah. There we go. Now, other than that, but. The, the training builds weak points. Yeah. That's what it was designed to do, and that's what it will always be about, is building the weak points in the human beings that walk through the door. And human beings in general don't always like to address weak points. No. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's, it's hard when you when you have to lay on that reverse hyper and realize that it's a lot of work to bring your legs from a 90-degree angle to a straight position when the helmet is hooked up. Yeah. To the pendulum. It, it's hard. Training's hard. Okay. I, well, this one is going to continue this conversation. Uh, our next common phrase is heard by coaches or athletes is, we're not coming to training today because we're practicing instead. For in-season athletes. We just said that. We, we literally just said that. Of that general peep, well, I, the GPP, right, right, right. And if if we have, drop below a general for f physical preparedness, what happens? Uh, we get worse, and we run the risk of higher risk of injury. So could we argue that by skipping out on training, you're actually harming your team's ability to compete at a high level? Which means, as we just talked about, that for a kid who hasn't built up that GPP, it, they might feel continuously sore in the weight room if they're not applying it because they haven't reached that level where training has become part of their routine, part of their, bo their body has adjusted to it. If you're constantly taking it in and out of the weight room, you're going to be sore. Consistency is the only answer for training to become a more – a part of your everyday life and a means to continue to grow your gen your general physical preparedness. Yeah, without without consistency, it just falls off. You know, and we'll see it like with you know this one specifically. We're talking about oh oh I need I need to do more drill work with them, coach. So I'm not sending them or we're playing three games this week. So I'm not sending. Send them. It's their time. We scheduled it for a reason. Yeah. Send them. Uh, and again, if they walk through the door, and I was saying before, if they walk through the door and somebody shot their dog, it looks like somebody shot their dog, but we're going to adjust to make that beneficial. Yeah, we're not. It, it's anyway. You know, it, the, other, the other side of it is, you know, the, the consistency thing is we see it where all of a sudden, you know, the sports season comes. Right. And now, and, and, and this is, you know, out to those coaches, like, we need you. You care about those kids. You want those kids to be the best they can be for you in your competition. You have to hold them accountable to training in the offseason with us. You want to compete with everybody else in the conference that we've now entered into? Okay. It's time. This is where my biggest pet peeve is we as a strength staff, and I'm going to put my football cap on. Uh, I demand our kids to lift 12 months of the year because it's for all the reasons that we've already discussed here in the last half hour. But it it, it irks me to no end when they get into a spring season or winter season. Or, 
or whatever, even sometimes summer, and they're no longer demanded to lift. And that kid takes three months off of training in some situations, and you start from square one with that kid again. And again, that's it's only hurting the athlete because the coach can't take time or doesn't want to make time because they are ill-informed of our strength program. And they're ill-informed because they don't want, it doesn't matter to them. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, we say it all the time, it's not like our, our what we do, anybody can come in and watch and learn what we do. Yep. Right? There's, there's no, and if any of our, our sport coaches out there are, are watching this, and I've said this many times before, and if you've never heard me say it, I'm going to say it right here. Come in and watch a training session. Come in and let, mm-hmm. you know, we can talk about it. I mean. Come in and watch. I would challenge them to come in, watch a training ses- session, and then gr- ask questions and also come in again four weeks later to see the changes in the results and the growth. Because often, like that, again, we've been talking a lot about consistency. That one, that one session, you're going to learn a lot. But you want if you want to see what truly comes from this program, you gotta you gotta commit to seeing it not just in the first week of June, but that last week of July as well to see the transition and the change that can happen to kids. Yeah, I mean it. It's it's something that once you're informed, and once you see it, it all makes sense. But people, like, like Coach Jacob said, people people don't want to. They don't they don't want to. And this is not just a, a Dexter High School problem. Um, this is a problem with people all all over the place. You know, it, it's again, it's different. We, we could take this a lot of different ways because I could get on my travel sports high horse right now. But that we don't need to go there. We'll move on to the next travel. common thing that we hear, and this is. My, this one drives me absolutely insane, which is my doctor told me to take 14 days off because my elbow hurts. Um, Let's preface this by saying none of us here on this panel are medical professionals. However, we have some people we really trust. Yeah, we have people that we trust for this sort of thing. Um, we see a lot of common injuries, tweaks, things like that, that we can uh, have some different little gimmick things to help us feel better. Um, but when you go to a primary care doctor, it is their standard operating procedure that for walking through the door in their office that they are going to immediately generate a two-week no physical education, no sport uh, for a majority of situations, for a majority of complaints. Can I be honest? I, I'm, my opinion is it's a CYA. It's exactly what it is. It's a CYA. Because, I mean, and you get it. He's like, you walk into an urgent care, all right? That doctor is not a – their specialty is not sports injuries, right? Like, the specialty of that doctor is not sports injuries. They're a general care practitioner. They have to have – so what they have has to – generalize it has to hit everything and as an athlete you can't afford those 14 days off in your training in your sport or whatever it may be so we want we have for you provided by the school system in the school system athletic trainers who have access to sports specific doctors who study and train and i will tell you we have some of the best that i've ever been around and that is a trip we also have partly because we have one of the best we have a huge access to medical institutions in the southeast mission growing up in northern michigan there was no way we we didn't have access to this we didn't have access to doctors that work with college athletes on a daily basis basis like our kids do it take it's a resource that we need to take advantage of but when you're it's nine o'clock at night and the kid's in a little bit of discomfort, the quick fix solution is to go to the doctor right around the corner at the urgent care who is a general practitioner. And that general practitioner is going to do it. 
if you feel like for and i'm not saying don't take your kid to urgent care that's not what i'm saying if you feel it's a need i just encourage you to get a second opinion at that point to still reach out to our athletic trainers the next day to see if we can if there's something that can be because the athletic trainers will look at that and make be able to make an adjustment or reach out to one of their colleagues and make an adjustment from there uh, or if you they see something that requires more specialized attention they can help facilitate that connection and get you into there right? whenever we have a kid get hurt in any of our sports or they come up and they complain to me my first question is did you go talk to our trainers did you go talk it used to always be did you go talk to trevor and shannon right, All right well now our, our boy shout out trevor o'brien friend of the show uh, you know he's working in the clinic so now we we have Kristen and shannon working with us here and as you said they're both top-notch humans top-notch athletic trainers um we that's a first step to right. getting a person back and we specifically work closely with those individuals they know how we train they know what we do so then they can actually even make recommendations for a injury in our language so for everybody that wants that sports specific training why don't we get sports specific medical care amen brother amen and then sports specific medical care comes first the first stop is our athletic trainers absolutely uh, and that we've had them on it we got to also do, throw it out there that it'll save you a lot in your insurance premiums and your, and things like and deductibles and things like that yeah going through our people um we gotta we gotta do a, another episode where we get kristen in here and uh, yeah and, you know because kristen has been she started with us in the spring I uh, know, and, and uh, you know, the spring sports is a crazy time of year for our athletic trainers as far as scheduling and all that. So we got to get Kristen in here. We've had Trevor and Shannon on the show. You can go back and uh, and listen to some of the things they talk about, and they talk about a lot of the same things that we're discussing here today mm-hmm. on on those episodes. I, if you check into it deeper, Trevor is a conjugate trainer himself. He trains in the conjugate system. Oh yeah. Him and I have d- discussed many times about the whys and what we do, and mm-hmm. and he, yeah, he is he he gets under the bar himself and uses the method. And at first, he was one that was like, oh, conjugate. Uh, that's for geared power lifters, right? Yeah. No. No. All right. Final phrase of the day that we hear from athletes. I'm not getting stronger for whatever reason. What do you say to that, Coach? How do, how do, we deal, how do you deal with that when an athlete says that to you, Coach? Well, back. he's back. i got to turn his microphone back on. <laughs> uh, this one is, hey, I'm going to tell you. First and foremost, anyone that says this right here, the first thing we always go to is, have you been here? Consistency. We're Consistency. Have you shown up and done what we've asked you to do? That's always what it boils down to. And I'm going to tell you guys, and I know you already know this. I'm going to tell the listeners. Anyone that says this, that they're not getting stronger in this program, they either haven't been there or they haven't done what we've asked them to do. They haven't trained the way we at the train and the way we teach our athletes to train. <laughs> he found the sound effects of button again, coach. <laughs> it's it's true. Right. I mean, are you actually treating it in a speed effort day like a speed effort day? Is the, like We had to address it with our athletes this morning, making sure that they were ex- – you had to address it with them this morning, making sure that they're exploding off the box – and exploding that bar off their chest in the speed effort days as opposed to just going through the motions. Or, hey, the percentage is 30% bar weight, 30% band tension. That's what we need you to do. You have your max. We know what you're capable of as a max single. Mm -hmm. 30% on the bar, pick the correct band tension, boom, that bar should be able to move fast. How many times do we walk over and be like, yo, what? What's your max? Gets buried. Yeah. Buried under the bar. Bring folding. the bar on speed day. Yeah. You know, folding over in the squat. Like, a team builder has allowed us now, too, because what we used to hear all the time was, oh, coach, I don't, I don't remember what my max was. 
I don't know how that, that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, but it's right there for you now. Team Builder even, and this is becoming an ad for Team Builder, but it literally generates the, the weight that needs to be loaded on the bar based on the percentages that we program for them. It tells you. The bar needs to weigh 135 pounds. Yep. Done. Another thing on that, I'm not getting any stronger there, Coach. Um, speak to the importance of the accessory work. Because a lot of that, I'm not getting stronger, is because our athletes, number one, they skip accessory work or go through the motions on the accessory work. When, and I know you've heard me say it, man, if we had to do anything in this training program, hey, we'll, we'll scrap the main lift. Let's do the accessory work because that's where the money is. In a conjugate training framework, right, good conjugate training framework, right, we rotate main movements right, to prevent overtraining, and then we utilize accessory work that attacks weak points. If the accessory work is not being done or not being done at the correct intensities, the weak points are not going to improve. Now, do we get some weak point, you know, attacking and improvement through our main lift? Yeah, that's why we change bars and bands and chains. We get some of that. But then we go and break it down further and say, okay, this kid in the squat, when they were coming up, their upper back gave out first and they started around. Or in the bench press, they're, as they're coming up, the bar starts to drift over in front of their face. Well, now we can look with the squat person. We can say, all right, they have a weak upper back. So we need to build connection in that upper back, whether it's getting another technique base underneath them to be able to hold that or making that stronger. Well, how do we do that? Well, let's go grab that yoke bar and do good mornings in our accessories. Let's grab a band and do facefuls to get build that connection to keep our upper back tight and together. So now when they get back underneath that bar, they're able to hold that position. Right? This program's all, all these main movements uh, is all about holding good positions for when we do it. All right. oh, the bars drifting over our face in the bench press, we lack tricep strength. Hey, we're going to go and do tricep rollbacks to build that tricep strength. Mm-hmm. Now the main movement is executed better. We get stronger, it goes up. But we have them where, you know, some kids, it's hard. It's hard. Right? They want to tell us that, you know, oh, coach, I did everything. That, that's the worst. If, if you're a young person watching this right now, the worst thing you could be is a liar. Right? That's the worst thing you can be. Right? Hey, hey, coach, I went too slow, so I didn't get that, that tricep work done. But, hey, you know what? When I come in tomorrow, my lower day, um, I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay extra and go make that accessory work up. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of person you want to be to be able to build these accessories and build up your strength levels. If you're not, if you're not doing all this stuff, it's not gonna be there. Bottom line. Amen. Bottom line. That's it. You have to. You have to get stronger. But when you train things. those accessory movements, you got to train like your life depends on. Yep, and, and and that's a big big saying that you know Coach Jacobs brought to our program and to our kids. Like, train like your life depends on it. Like, if if you don't do this to the best of your ability, every single set, every single rep, right? You would <laughs> your, your life depends on that. That's what you need to do. You have to push these things hard. Now, do, do we encourage kids, and I know they got parents, you know, probably watching this and that may be a little bit unfamiliar with training. Um, are we pushing kids to the point where they're in bad positions and they risk injuring themselves? I think that's our, one of our number one cues. Hey, we go until you're about to have a technique breakdown. Not to where you break down technically, because that's when injury occurs. You know, hey, you should know when I can do another rep when I can add more weight. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been the struggle with the, the high school athlete is, you know, because they want to put more weight on to, you know, whether it's a, a macho thing or, you know, maybe they are feeling it. But, um, you know, it's it's something that we're combating and we're, we're trying to 
to educate our lifters on on how to do this and I think the best way to that we do this is because as you've already mentioned it before is we train in the conjugate program we we what we put on that board and are in the, the team builder, that's what I do four times a week. I know that's what you do four times a week. And so we can speak with experience on that. And then we also know, too, like if something is not – if we program something, we've done it. So it's like, oh, hey, when you guys did that 10 sets of two – at 50% bar weight plus 25% chain weight with the yoke bar. Um, yeah, we know that. We just did it. We know what that feels like. We know what that should look like as far as how fast are you able to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and to me, any any young strength coach or aspiring strength coach, not just young ones, aspiring strength coach watching this, especially one that wants to work at the high school level, and I think this could go anywhere, train. You got to You got to train. train. Yeah, you have to. It's the only like I I wouldn't be able to program our kids if I didn't do it myself. I could, you don't know what it feels like, you know. And we see it all, you know, guys that you know they write these programs, and I've seen it from other coaches, and I'm like, have you done this? And I know I'm not the first strength coach to think that. Like, have you done this? Do you know? Do you know what this feels like? Right. Do you know what you're doing right here? Yeah, I'll be the first to admit my younger career man it was a lot of volume i don't know that i could have done some of the work outside required of my athletes you know looking back but the man they they did it um and because they you know they expect that we know we have the answers and we're putting them through the right thing and and you know listeners i got we can assure you that you know coach whitaker he he doesn't just get this off the internet I mean, he's he's researched this. He's studied it. He's learned it from the best, and he's made podcasts with some of the guys who have made this their career and their livelihood. Yeah. So he, I mean, this is this is what Coach Whitaker does, and we're very lucky to have him. And sometimes I feel you ought to put that uh, money jar at the door when they walk in because uh, you know we've got to some people that believe that they're going to get more bang for their buck if they have a private trainer or go to a, the local gym and, and spend their money there when they're, they're getting a free service right here from the best in the business. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that, guys. It's, um, it's something that, you know, they and especially where we're at it now, where I think our kids at this point, our high school juniors and seniors, they know nothing different than having this here. Too. So obviously, when you have when you have structured training your entire high school career, end of middle school, high school, you know nothing. You you don't know how how bad it really could be. Right. Right. It's 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 something that they, you know they get a little a little spoiled and and automatically, you know, there's a mentality sometimes that if it's if it's happening for free. At the high school, then it can't be that good. You know, we spend a lot of hours, you know, studying this stuff and, and putting forth the best things. I know I give feedback when from guys such as yourselves, like, hey, I programmed this. You know, oh, hey, Bill, what did you think of that? Phil, what did you what did you think of that? You know, we, we continue to grow and we continue to get better right through through what we're doing. Still trying to get through all those Russian manuals. <laughs> yeah, they so. they throw me. They th- the, uh, I'm trying. Berger Sansky and Super Training. I'm trying to get to get through that because I know there's some there's some there's secrets in there that we can apply and it's going to make our program and our kids better. Mm-hmm. And we're going to win more football games and track meets and whatever sports our kids are involved in if we can give them the best programming possible. So you don't uh, stay up at night trying to devise ways to hurt kids, huh? No. <laughs> no. It was a joke. It was a joke. Regardless, <laughs> which, regardless what Trevor Jankovic you know, might think out there. Every time I program pull-ups, he goes, why are you, why are you torturing me? Trevor. <laughs> Trevor. Trevor <laughs> is 
a bone out guy. We yeah. He's just uh, he's a bone out guy. Even though yeah. he declared oh. that a chicken wing does have bones in it, but he does like chicken nuggets. Trash. Uh, he was right asking that question. Hold yeah. on. This, this is news to me. me. Uh, you didn't. You must not have watched. I haven't. His I episode. haven't seen his episode yet. He hasn't earned it from me yet. <laughs> First of all, most of our listeners probably are bone-out chicken nugget people. In this community? Yeah. So that's, uh, I don't know, that goes without saying. Hey, listen, Tim Somerlad, retired FDNY fireman, good buddy of mine, shout-out to Coach Somerlad. He was on the show a while back. Right, he said it. Right. You gotta, you gotta have, you gotta have the bones, and you gotta have blue cheese. If you don't have blue cheese, don't even bring the plate over. And the hotter the better. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, we're getting kind of to the end here. We're we're, we're just over uh, the hour mark. Uh, I think we talked a lot about a lot of good things. I think this would be great not only for our kids. Our student athletes and our coaches to see, but any any of you out there that may be a strength coach or a sport coach or somebody that's trying to develop a culture of strength within your community, like you're not alone. Like we're not alone in these things, right? This happens at at other places, and what we're trying to build is this culture that where these things happen much less. These questions are happening much less, so that the kids get better, and and when we are able to execute programming and we have the, the buy-in from those people it the the sky's the limit of, of what we're going to be able to do because we got the we got the right method in my belief to make these kids the best possible they can be absolutely yeah uh, do you guys any closing remarks nope all good all right well that's another episode of your iron dread podcast we'll see you next time right here